Amen. We come to the second reading of God's Word, which is 1 John 3, 11-18. 1 John 3, 11-18, that's found on page 1022. Some of you might be thinking, what, what is Pastor Dietrich doing? He's so close to finishing the book of Luke. Uh, three years in the book of Luke, and we're only about two sermons away from finishing, and he's putting on the brakes and preaching from other passages. And I think you'll see in a moment that I have a reason to justify this, that today is a special occasion, and we will be back to Luke, Lord willing, next week, and finishing it early on in May, and then on to many other uh, books in, in the Bible. But this morning we are reading 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. So I invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've shown us your heart and the scriptures and even in this passage in front of us, 1 John 3 and also Acts chapter 6, we see a heart of a God full of mercy. Lord, may you win our hearts over to yours this morning, and may we love what you love. May we do what you do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, we have a special occasion before us, and it's not just signaled by the harps all around me, uh, behind me. No, this, the real special occasion for today is the installation of our first deacon here at Light of the Nations. We are going to see Paul Downs. Uh, Here he's walking in as I speak, right on cue. We're going to see Paul Downs um, ordained uh, and installed, or he's already ordained actually, but installed here as a deacon. Uh, The congregation voted uh, unanimously to elect uh, Paul to be our first deacon here. And I fully believe that there will be more because uh, the people of God uh, need many deacons, as we've seen already in in our scripture reading this morning. But Paul is our first, and that gives a special occasion for rejoicing uh, and a special occasion to talk about 
mercy ministry, a, mer- a ministry of mercy here at Light of the Nations Church. That's why we're pausing from the Gospel of Luke for one Sunday and talking about mercy ministry. Now, why is mercy ministry so special? Why is today an occasion to celebrate and even to uh, preach a sermon on? Why should mercy ministry matter to God? Why should it matter to us? That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to preach um, God's word, and I want to show you that mercy matters to God. And then... I want us to spend a bit of time reflecting on why it ought to matter to us as well. It's that simple. And in the middle of all this, I want to uh, give the charge to Paul and also to the congregation. And so all of this is going to be knitted into one uh, sermon that I hope challenges and encourages you uh, to be a church full of mercy. But first, let's, let's actually have a definition. What is mercy? You hear people talk all the time about mercy, mercy ministry. What does it mean? Give us a definition. Well, here's a good starting definition. Mercy is compassion for the distressed and the needy. But it's a compassion and a care that actually leads to action to address the needs, the tangible needs that are in front of us. That's what mercy is. Mercy is a a heart of compassion for the distressed, for the needy, that actually moves to meet those needs. And as mercy is doing this, it is seeking to remove any unnecessary obstacles that are blocking uh, Christians from experiencing the full joy of their salvation, right? I mean, in Christ, we have the full joy of our salvation, but Christ wants us to, to not only delight in the forgiveness of sins, but also to serve and to, um, to rejoice. And so when there is sickness or poverty or, um, or disadvantage that would stop people from doing that, wherever it's found, God wants us to be working to remove that so that that person can even more fully rejoice in the love of the Savior. Here's a shorter definition of mercy. Mercy is compassion on wheels. I think you already see where I'm going with that. Compassion is, um, or mercy rather, is compassion that moves, right? It's one thing to just say, oh, wow. I I see that that widow who is mourning the loss of her husband, and uh, that must really hurt. That's compassion. But mercy actually moves compassion to approach that widow or to seek ways um, so that her needs are met so that she is full of joy serving the Lord, even in the midst of a difficult circumstance. This week, I uh, put together my first grill uh, in my backyard and it took me a while to assemble it. And there came a point um, at which I was thinking, wow, you know, this grill is really awesome. I could just, you know, make all these burgers and invite people over from the neighborhood and they could in- it's, it's amazing what can happen in my backyard. And then I, I looked and I saw there was a, a page in the instructions and it says, optional, you can put wheels on this grill and wheel it around. Now that's a game changer, isn't it? Then you can put the wheels on and I can pick up the grill and I can go to different homes around the neighborhood and say, hey, neighbor, come on out. You know, I've got a, a burger right here for you. You know, mer- compassion with wheels. Does that stick in your mind? Mercy moves towards the distress. So there's your definition. 
So why does mercy then matter to God? I want to show you that it really does matter to God. And here's why. Three reasons. The first reason that mercy really matters to God is that his character, his character displays mercy. Exodus 34, 6 says this. It introduces God's. You ready? Here's the name of God. The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love goes on to say other things about God, that he is just, that he punishes sin. But the first thing that God's people need to know about God, the first thing that needs to ring through their ears is he is merciful. And here's the thing. Mercy isn't just something that God appreciates, right? He sees it and it's, it's a coat he slips on sometimes when, uh, no, mercy flows from God's very being. He is merciful. Just as God is love, God is uh, just, God is also merciful. So that wherever we see acts of compassion or care, wherever we pause and say, wow, uh, that was a really good, caring thing that person did. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to say, mercy isn't something that's just floating around out there in the universe that happens to uh, God... um, takes to himself sometimes. No, it flows from his very being. So every act of compassion finds its source in the very essence of God. That's what mercy is. It's sourced in God himself. So that, you know, when God introduces himself, you know, you've been to these meet meet and greets where you put on name tags. You say, hi, I'm Tyler. You know, I'm Pastor Tyler. Hi, I'm, I'm, um, this is my name. When God introduces himself, when he Puts his name before his people. He says, my name is a mercy. That's who I am to you. Psalm 68, 5. We, we read this as our call to worship. This is, again, listen to how God introduces himself to you, his people. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows. God has many names, but that's, that's a name that he wants you to hear. And that is a name that is not only um, given in that psalm, but really is reflected in, in all of God's law, right? So when God gives a, a, a law to his people in the Old Testament, when he gives them rules to live according to, you need to know those aren't just rules that God randomly came up with. They are rules that flow from his heart and find their source in who God is as God. Now, I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, look at Exodus 22, Exodus 22, and you'll see how this works. Exodus 22, 21 through 27 says this. Page 63 of your your pew Bible. You shall not wrong a sojourner. In other words, a foreigner or a refugee or an immigrant. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. Do you see the heart of your God as it is 
embedded within his law that he's giving to his people and to you. He says, look, this is how you must live. And and here's why. It's because of who I am. I am compassionate. I can't just look away when people are neglected, when, when the widow is not cared for, when the orphan is abandoned. And so I ask you, friends, doesn't this make you want to know your God more? Doesn't that make you want to lean in and to to remember what you may have forgotten about God, that this is who he is and this is who he is for you? Especially this morning, if there are particular ways in which you are needing mercy, if you are lonely or maybe you feel neglected, maybe even neglected by people in this church. You need to start and realize this, that God has not forgotten you. God has not abandon you or or, he's not ignoring your cry. He hears. And that's important to know. And God not only displays this through his character, but he also demonstrates mercy through Christ Jesus. That's the second thing. The second reason why mercy matters to God. Uh, Again, mercy is compassion with wheels. And so if God is just compassion and he's, you know, it's just this deep burning care. You know, I wish that I wish that people would, would, would care for, for me or for, my, for other people. If that's all that, that it is, then, then we're, we're missing part of the picture because God not only burns with compassionate desire for people, but his compassion always leads to action. And you, you've seen that, right? You've seen it in the cross of Christ. In the cross of Christ, God moves towards needy people. God took upon flesh in Christ Jesus. It was mercy for needy sinners that led him to do that. To stoop so low as to get near sinners. And it was mercy that led God all the way to a cross. In which he came to do what we could not do. Needy sinners. He died the death we deserve to die. He secured the forgiveness of sins. who would All who would would call upon him. That is the great mercy of God that even those that had spurned him and rebelled against him would receive his compassionate care. And don't forget that along the way, as Christ was going to the cross, what did he do? He preached good news to the poor. He healed the sick. He became friends with the lonely. So yes, God is deeply concerned with that you deal with your sin, That is the ultimate thing that God, that's the ultimate mercy that God shows. But he is, he has not overlooked your suffering. He wants to remove any unnecessary obstacles that hinder that great joy of salvation flowing from your heart. So that, so that you can respond with service. That's what God does. He moves in towards you. Compassion with wheels. Christ's arms and legs and hands reaching out to you. And that's not all. God cares about mercy. Mercy matters to God, not only because his very character displays it, not only because the cross of Christ portrays it or demonstrates it in action, but also because his church ministers mercy. God has created a church that is called and enabled to minister mercy. Now we see in James chapter 2, if you were to look at the beginning of James chapter 2, that there is a royal law that hangs like a banner over all God's kingdom. 
And it, it is you know, one rule that all God's people must have in their heart. And that rule is love your neighbor. Show them mercy. That's the royal law of God's kingdom. You see, what happens is that the very God who is merciful and who shows mercy doesn't just abandon his people, but as Christ ascends into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, he pours out mercy through his church to a world that needs it and in a church that needs it. We saw this in Acts chapter 6 this morning. Did you catch what was happening in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7, as Elder Wagner read about a problem? What was the problem? That some widows were being neglected. Some widows felt uncared for. Um, and of course, it's implying that others were cared for better than them. Um, but there are some, some widows in the church that, that people in the church can point to and say, yeah, they're being overlooked. They're being forgotten. And so what happens as dispute breaks out in the church about this? Well, God gives his church a solution. And he does it through the apostles. What is God's great solution to this problem? That there is mercy not being extended, that there are widows being neglected. His solution is not just a system, but a person. An officer called a deacon. That's what we see in Acts chapter 6, that um, the, the elders who are given to uh, preaching God's word and ministering his word, they say, you know, we can't give up the preaching of God's word. We can't just you know, set that aside. That's, that's really important. But we also can't just turn a blind eye to this mercy. That's, that's deeply important. And so they appoint men to do this. And they don't just appoint anyone. They don't say, hey, I, I see that there's a warm body over there that can do the work. No, they say, this is a man who is gifted to the task and he's equipped and he's full of wisdom. And the Holy Spirit is clearly on this man so that he can serve well. When the apostles talk about serving tables, we think, oh, wow, they're really playing that down. No, they're actually dignifying the office of deacon. The work of mercy is so important in the church that God creates a brand new office never before in the church so that this will not be neglected, so that his church hears loud and clear, I care. I care about the needy. Serve them. Don't neglect them. So as we see Paul ordained, or not, he's already ordained, but installed today as our first deacon, you need to realize that deacons in the church are not elders in training. You know, they're not on their way up, up the ladder. No. Deacons are not lackeys for the overseers of this church. No. Deacons are a dignified office that are important in their own respect and in their own work so that they bring Christ's care close to the church and a watching world sees and a watching world benefits. Do you see how much God cares for the church? Do you see why mercy matters to God? It does. It matters. His character displays it. His gospel demonstrates it. His church ministers it. And so I ask you the second question of this sermon leading to the second point. Does mercy matter to you?
Does mercy matter to this church? It ought to. Uh, mercy ought to matter to us. And, and, and I will say, I don't just want to beat you over the heads. Um, I don't just want to convict you. I've seen that there are tangible ways in which mercy does matter to you. I've seen it. But I also know my own heart. And I know that every church, including ours, struggles with this. And we, mercy could matter to us much more than it does. Because, friends, God has taken so much care to show us mercy, each and every one of us in Christ Jesus, that we should be eager and ready to show it and to do it. That's what 1 John is all, that, that the passage we read, right? Brother, little children, do not love in word only, but, but no, in deed and in truth and action. Christ laid down his life for us so that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That's the call that comes to you today. Lay down your lives for the brothers. Lay down your lives for the needy, wherever they are to be found. Why do we need to hear this so often? Why do we need to really be gripped and convinced that mercy matters? It's, it's because it's hard. So often we do retreat from opportunities to show mercy. We do close our hearts to those that are needy. And there are many reasons. I'll just name a few. First, mercy is really awkward. Have you found that to be true? It can be dreadfully awkward to involve yourself in someone's life, who, someone who needs attention and care, and someone who has sometimes very tangible Physical needs that are, are, it's like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe that's a job that happens in a, you know, in a clinical setting with nurses. And, you know, why should this be me? Why should I care for tangible needs? Oftentimes, mercy ministry can be thankless. You know that you're going to pour yourself into work and you're, you're not going to get a thank you. It's a lot like the work that our health professionals do, right? They pour into people's lives who are needy and, and hurt, and they don't get a, oftentimes don't get a thank you. So you say, well, why should, why should I help people who aren't even going to, to realize that all the time and the effort I put into this? And then on top of this, there are so many ways in which the world sends us this constant message that mercy ministry is, is a lavish waste of resources and time, right? We've seen the, the statistics. Um, we've seen how the kind of care you can pour into needy and hurting people. Um, according to the world and according to just a, a pure statistics, sometimes it's just repeating a cycle and, and on and on it goes. And, 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 and some of the deep matter, the deep issues of our society seem just to be chronic and say, well, if I just keep throwing my time and effort into this, what's it really going to do? It's especially hard when we have to sacrifice our busy time. You know, I, I know how busy many of us are. You say, wow, I have to. Many important things in my life. Why should this be so important? And so there are ways, brothers and sisters, in which we can subtly but surely close our hearts to the needs around us. Don't retreat. Don't close your hearts. 
Christ Jesus didn't retreat. He served you to the point of death, death on a cross. And now he calls you to serve. Let me apply this in three ways. First of all, I want to speak to Paul. I want to, want to encourage you, Paul, as, a, as one who is becoming the first deacon in this church, to serve in a particular kind of way. I want to challenge you to mobilize this church for mercy ministry. Equip the saints here at Light of the Nations uh, to lay down their lives for the brothers and the sisters. You're going to be, for a time at least, the, the solo deacon. And I pray that in good time, others are added alongside you. But un- for the time being, you know you can't do it all yourself. And the temptation there as you're, you're wrestling over um, how much you can do is either to, to do so much that you burn yourself out or to do uh, so, so little because you're only one person that, that mercy ministry doesn't really happen. And I want to challenge you to think strategically about our church and how you can utilize all the gifts that are here around you so that the kind of service described in, in, in Acts 6 happens through the body. What kind of strategies need to be put in place so that care actually is, is brought to people? And, and I want to challenge you to not just think about um, the obvious needs right in front of us, right? Not just the needs of, um, of the orphans and the widows and the homeless and the refugee in our midst, uh, for which all of these our hearts burn, but also the needs which are, are less tangible and less physical. I want us to think about the the lonely in our midst who need to be cared for and and to stir up in great acts of care the church to meet that need as well. That is an act of the deacon. So I want to call you, Paul, to do the hard work of mobilizing the church for mercy ministry. You're you're not alone. You have a session to to, to help and to to think this through. But but it is is a weight on your shoulders, one that which Christ Jesus is empowering you to do. That's what this installation is saying, is Jesus is equipping you to do this. So do it. You you can do it. We know this. We we believe it. I want to speak also to the congregation. Because the call to serve not only comes to to Paul and to the deacon, but also to you. Why is it that God puts a deacon in the the church? Not just so that we, we don't have to do the work, but so that... The work is done well and it it doesn't fall through the cracks. You know, we're going to have this temptation to say, yeah, I I saw a need, but I think that Paul's got this. And um, he's been ordained to do this. And, you know, I did a spiritual gift test one time and helping wasn't one of the top three. I I know none of you have said that. I once did the spiritual gift inventory, right? And, and helping wasn't on the top three. I wonder if it is on anyone's top three. Um, because it's not the type of thing, right, that we naturally go to, most of us. Um, it should be all of our spiritual gift. We should be striving and praying and working hard to help and to help in ways that are difficult. Um, imagine for a moment that you're working at a restaurant. Any of you... Uh, most of us, I think I have one time I've worked in, in some sort of food service and you've worked along a team of people who serve tables. Now, imagine if you see, you know, that, that team leader who's, you know, saying, oh, okay, go serve this table and go serve this table. And, and you say, he's just really good at that. So I'm just going to kind of sit down and, um, and just watch him do it really well. 
It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. When, when a restaurant is working well, you've got uh, waiters serving multiple tables and shuffling around with meals, and, and you've got a leader who's navigating and, and, and mobilizing all of this. And so what I'm challenging you to do is not just say, okay, I'm going to wait until Paul asks me to do something, or I'm going to just hope that he's doing it well. What I am pressing you all to do is to ask a question. Right now, who are the sick, the poor, the lonely, the disadvantaged around you? Physical needs and, and intangible. Who are those in your midst that need, need the care that you would want a deacon to show them? Well, I would challenge you to think this week about one or two ways in which you can actually serve them. You know, is there someone in the church that you've, you've noticed is is often neglected or, or is it a position of life where you have sickness or poverty or uh, would leave them in a, in a place of loneliness? Reach out to them. Care for them. Even a simple text um, can, can say wonders to a person. And if, if you're saying, how can I best serve? Talk to Paul. Say, Paul, help me to, to be mobilized for mercy ministry. He'll understand what you're saying. Finally, here's, here's my final charge to the congregation. Brothers and sisters, be willing to be served. Because that's hard too, isn't it? Maybe the hardest of all is to say, hey, I need help. I, I want people to show me help. Um, and not just in the exact way that I want it, but... And the way that I need it or the way that the church can provide it. Friends, are, are you in need or, or have you, or do you see your need to, uh, to be served by the church? I think at some point, each and every one of us needs to have our feet washed by the Savior through his arms and through his mercy ministry and, and, and the church. And I've had my feet washed before and it was awkward. <laughs> this is weird kind of, anyway, it was a college thing. It's an initiation service for a college thing. Anyways, um, it was a Christian thing. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. It was, it was awkward. You're even hearing that, right? But mercy ministry in the church can be like that at times where you say, no, I didn't want to be served in that way. Or, you know, I, I didn't want people to know I needed that. Or, you know, I can do this myself. But friends, this, this is how mercy ministry works. It's, one day, you need to be met with, with, with that feet washing of the Savior, foot washing of the Savior. But then through that, the Savior is empowering you to weeks later, months later, turn around and to wash someone else's feet and to care for them. That's how mercy ministry works. So, Paul, I challenge you to mobilize the church congregation. I, I challenge you to serve and to be served. And in all this, brothers and sisters, lay down your lives for the brothers. Christ did it for you. Do it for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.